Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, well, we are continuing in our series called Built Together. We're gonna be moving into part eight this morning. This is also a continuation of something we started last Sunday. So, so usually my goal, um, anytime I teach on a Sunday morning, is that the, the sermon in and of itself stands alone, right? I know people are in and out at different times. And in a lot of ways, this will stand on its own. But I really would encourage you, the last week or two are really important because we're building on that. Two weeks ago, Mark did an incredible job as we transitioned in talking about the beauty of being in church community. While it's difficult at times, it's glorious. Being in a community that worships God, that is connected together like a family, like a body, all of these ways the scripture defines. And, and the joy and the healing that's meant to come out of walking in real community with each other, like knowing each other well, loving each other well. And then Mark kind of bridges us into the series talking about how all the things we're called to do and the, the ways that we operate in our gifts in the church, it's got to be rooted in love. I'm to be anchored in God's love for me, like that's enough. My giftings, my talents, my abilities, that's not where I get my sense of worth or value. I am loved by God, that's enough. Any gifts or talents or abilities I have are meant to do two things, to glorify Jesus and to love other people well for their benefit, all right? And so, so for those of us that might struggle with pride, listen, there's no pride in this. Our talents, our gifts, our abilities, they come from the Lord, they're a gift from him. It's God's grace, all right, and those of us that might struggle with, with like, man, I don't fit in. I'm not needed. I don't bring anything special to the table. That's a lie. You're important. You're valuable. You, you matter and are needed in the kingdom. We all have been gifted and called in different ways and we need each other. And so then last Sunday, we began to unpack some of the spiritual gifts. And so I, I do, by way of review, wanna anchor us in just a couple of quick things. First of all, Ephesians 2.22, this is like our verse for the entire series. Ephesians 2.22. In him, you also are being built together. And we talked about that idea of built together, meaning we work alongside one another, so we are cooperatively laboring together. But it also means we are being fit together, like, like a building that's being pieced together. And so it's uniting we work alongside each other and we are being brought together. In him, right, God does the work ultimately. We cooperate with it. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God. He's in us individually and he's in us corporately and that's being done by the Spirit. And so last week and this week and in a couple weeks ahead, that's what we're talking about how God's spirit is within us, empowering us to be built together in love. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? So that's kind of the backdrop of this. And so then there were a few things um, I just sort of said last week as a foundation for this. Um, number one, 
we are encouraged by Paul that we are not to be ignorant of the gifts, the spiritual gifts that we're given. And that word ignorant, it means to lack understanding. It can also mean just to ignore them. And, and often in the church, as it relates to the spiritual gifts, there, there is a level of ignorance. Maybe I'm just unfamiliar with them. I'm a new believer. I've been in a church upbringing where that just wasn't talked about much. And so it's new to me. That's all right if that's where you are, let's learn and grow. Um, we're also called to understand how they function. There's a lot of misunderstanding. And so we're gonna try to address that along the way. And then finally, some people have been exposed to the gifts or people saying they're operating in the gifts and they've been hurt. Maybe the gifts have been misused or, or out of just ignorance or immaturity or whatever, there's been damage done. And so for many, we know they exist and we just sort of ignore them because that feels like dangerous or uncertain territory. And so Paul's addressing all that by saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of the gifts. Where there's misunderstanding, let's learn and grow. Where there's a, there's a lack of use, let's learn the basics and let's start using the gifts. And where there's been hurt that would cause us to pull back, let's lean in and say, God gives gifts because he is good and he wants to give good gifts to his kids. And so let's embrace this. Amen? So that's our backdrop. So we believe that I think scripture teaches and his historical evidence and current evidence, we believe in all the gifts that are listed in the scripture. We believe they still operate and function in the church. We believe that. Um, and we believe that God's desire is that these diversity of gifts be available to all is needed so the body can benefit. So what I mean by that is there may be particular gifts that you just feel like God has given you that you walk in that are just kind of like God seems to have gifted me in these one, two, three areas or whatever. And I've seen that kind of over the course of my life that just there's these gifts God has given that I seem to walk in. Um, I also believe that there are specific roles and we'll lean into that more in another week or two, roles within the church where some of the gifts God gives enable people to walk in these roles to help build up the body. But I also believe that there are maybe gifts that typically we don't see operate on a regular basis in our lives that God can still give us in the moment as needed because he wants to touch that person right there. And so you might feel like, man, I've never witnessed God heal somebody before. And I'm really unfamiliar with that. And I even feel a little uncomfortable. But man, if you're in a situation, God wants to touch that person and you're the one that's there and you're a believer, by the grace of God, he'll empower you in that moment to bring healing. So don't limit yourself or put yourself in a box and go, here's my three and these are unavailable to me. All right, so that's kind of a backdrop of how we approach this. And so I would encourage you to go back if you can and listen last Sunday if you missed it. We covered about seven or eight gifts. We talked about prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We touched a little bit on the role of a prophet. We'll circle back to that when we get to kind of the five roles in the church in the coming weeks. We talked about serving and helps, which are similar, um, but helps is kind of like offering help to someone who's physically hurting, so like the way a nurse would, or someone who's very poor and destitute. Maybe as an example, someone who works in homeless ministry would be helps. Serving is kind of a general serving, rolling up your sleeves, just ministering where there's need. And then we talked about teaching and exhortation and touched on the role of a teacher last Sunday as well. So we're gonna pick up where we left off. And so let's pray one more time 
And let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. And I would just encourage you, again, if this is new territory, ask him to equip you a little bit. If this is familiar territory, ask the Lord to speak to you about maybe even gifts he's calling you to operate or function in. And overall, let's just, let's not only listen to what the Lord wants to teach us, but let's trust his empowering presence that we might love and serve and minister to each other and to a community that sure needs Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we're inviting you. We know you're already here. But God, we're asking you to come specifically in this moment to do what you wanna do in our hearts. God, teach us things we do not know. God, bring healing. Lord, if there's been wounding or hurt in the areas of spiritual gifts, God, would you bring healing? Lord, would you help us walk in understanding and and walk ultimately in relationship with you and your presence in our lives that you might use us to love and serve each other, to glorify you and to reach people who need you, Jesus. Would you do this work in our hearts? Thank you, Father, that you're a good gift giver. Thank you, Jesus, that you have reconciled us into right relationship with God so that we might be filled with the Spirit. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come, that you're with us, that you're in us, that you graciously give us your presence for relationship, to grow in character as the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives and that you give gifts that we might love and serve and benefit one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Last Sunday, I read through the primary passages that lift this list the spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Uh, I'll just mention them here. Um, if you're a note taker, you may wanna take notes. Um, I've put a lot of content in my notes. These are downloadable usually by Monday or Tuesday during the week when we post the sermon. Um, I've listed like the Greek words and the number reference and the Strong's Concordance. Check me. <laughs> Go do your own digging and reading and research. It's there for your benefit, but if you wanna follow along and take notes, you can. Um, But the primary passages we're drawing from this morning are Romans 12, verses six through eight, 1 Corinthians 12, verses eight through 10, and also a few listed in verse 28. And then Ephesians four is more the listing of, of kind of the five roles in ministry. And so Ephesians four, verses 11 and 12, that's sort of the foundation scripturally for everything that we're talking about. So we're gonna dive right in. I'm gonna try to cover eight of these. Um, I could easily give a whole sermon to each of these, even on a, on a typical Sunday, if we were really taking our time, you know, I would do two or three on a Sunday and give 15 or 20 minutes to each. I'm just acknowledging up front, I'm gonna give like, you know, five, five minutes to these, all right? So I'm gonna move relatively quickly here, dig in on your own. So the first one, giving, giving. The meaning of, of this gift, giving, um, it's to give, that seems fairly obvious. To share with someone, it means to impart or communicate. So part of what's, what's beautiful about that is some examples of this in scripture, some are very practical, like uh, giving of a cloak in Luke 3, 11, giving a gift, just something tangible and practical. It can be financial. Paul talked about imparting a spiritual gift. Like I've handed something to you spiritually. Uh, so it can be a financial gift. It's even the gift of genuine love relationship. These are all examples of how this word is used in the scripture. 
Um, anytime um, operating in this realm of giving is talked about, it's always in the context of giving generously, liberally, the scripture says. Um, sincerely, with no ulterior motives. So I'm not giving in order to then ultimately get something back. Not in a manipulative way. Just a genuine, sincere, generous giving um, that's meant to be joyful. Like it's meant to be a, a, a joy that we can give something to someone else to benefit them. Um, I love the picture uh, in Ephesians 4.28 of this. Um, because I, I feel like this, this sort of captures that whatever background we come from, if we've been stingy or hypocritical, if we've even cut corners financially in the past, God changes things when he redeems us. And so look at this picture Paul gives in Ephesians 4, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I love how redemptive that is. I used to be a taker. I used to be greedy. I used to operate for my own gain. And the Lord wants to redeem that. I can learn to work hard and position myself to have enough left over that I might give and bless someone else. It's so redemptive in nature. See, all of these gifts, ultimately, they tap in to God's character, to what he's like. And then he pours these things into us and we get to cooperate with this really good God to bless other people. God has given much to me and he gives the spiritual gift where I can turn around and give and be a blessing to others. Now, I believe we're all called to be givers, but there are people that are just specially called. Have you ever known someone that just had that gift of like gift giving? They just always seem to like know the right gift at the right time that just blesses your heart when you're low or when you're down. Or can, are you even picturing somebody right now that's like that? I've got two or three people that come to mind that are just, it's a spiritual gift. They just have this sense of seeing people in the need and, and they show up and bless at just the right time. That's a taste on giving. All right, the next one, leadership, leadership. This is to superintend to preside or rule over. It's to be a protector or a guardian. We could do whole sermons on biblical leadership because it's so opposite of how the world operates. So much of leadership in the world is about benefiting the leader. What can they get out of it? Everybody else is just there to serve them. And God's idea of this is totally upside down from that. Leadership is a, is a responsibility to care for, to tend, to protect whatever area of responsibility you've been given. And God gives a spiritual gift of leadership because we need help with this to lead and to tend well. Um, and so that's what it means. It, the people who are called to lead, we see throughout scripture the idea of leading with care, with diligence, with effort. Those are things we see in the scripture around this. Um, a great example of this, I thought about like reading a verse or two here and there, but honestly, a great place to go is to, to read a couple of Paul's short letters that are written to young church leaders. Go read his letter to Titus. Go read his letter to his two letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy. And he gives just a lot of sound direction on how to lead well. And he talks them about tending themselves in their own walk with the Lord. He talks them about tending their families 
and the church community. So he, he, gives, he gives some good description. And then in the letter to the Thessalonians, they're encouraged to know their leaders and think highly of them and value them. There's, there's so much questioning and frustration with leadership, and, and rightfully so, in our work environments, with our government leaders. And so much, so much of leadership is handled so poorly by flawed, broken people, especially people who don't know Jesus, and sadly, often in the church, that we tend to be very skeptical of leadership. But for those who are called to lead, we need to do it humbly with a servant's mindset. For those of us under the leadership of others, which should be everyone, by the way, I'm under leadership and authority in my life. For those of us who are under authority, we need to respect them, pray for them, encourage them. There's a right time and place to identify like damaging, poisonous leadership. And by God's grace, he'll give us direction when it's time to, to slide out from under that. But often we're just annoyed by differences of opinion, differences of personality. I think I would do it this way and you're kind of, and like that does nothing but bring division and disunity and it harms everybody involved, including ourselves. And so authority is appointed by God and we need to pray for our leaders to be given the gift of spirit-led leadership. And we need to position ourselves to walk in humility under authority. Everybody got excited and said amen to that one. All right, next is administration. These often, these go really well together, leadership and administration. Um, administration is, it means to steer, to govern, or to guide. In fact, the root word, the root meaning of this word is actually the idea of a captain or a pilot. Looking at a pilot over here, Mark. To steer, to govern, or to guide. Leadership and administration work well together. So I'll pick on Mark and I'll probably do a really bad example of describing what he might experience. But there's some people in leadership authority who might go, hey, here's the mission. Here's what we're gonna accomplish. He gets in the plane and makes sure it stays on course, that the coordinates are followed correctly and that he does the tasks accordingly to accomplish the mission. And so administration works along with leadership, often is in a place of leadership to organize, to delegate, to accomplish the goal. There are people that are very gifted at seeing how things ought to work and to function and to fit together. Um, this morning, we showed up and for 45 minutes, we were locked out of the building. We normally get here at eight and nobody was here to let us in until 845 and this morning, I watched a team of people operate in the gifts of serving, like they just rolled up their sleeves and got to work the minute we could get in. There were a couple of people who were gonna be using their gifts up here to play instruments, who with no complaint realized we didn't have enough time to plug in all the extra stuff and run a more full rehearsal to accomplish that. No complaining, no whining, I'll just do the manual labor of setting things up and it's no big deal that I don't get to do that. Man, that's the gift of serving right there. Not worried about being up front or being seen, just did it. There are people who operate in the gift of administration, like we gotta get creative. We even pow out about what if we have to have an outdoor service? How quickly could we get the word out to go cram in over at the new building even though we don't really fit? Let's just squeeze in like sardines. Like there was a lot of just prayerful dialogue while we were locked out to figure out where we should go. And so there was gifts of leadership, administration, serving that were all just happening in a very practical way. 
And by God's grace, a custodian got here and let us in and here we are. And we got accomplished in about 20 minutes, what usually takes an hour. That was some hard work by some people, but like we could feel it like God was just graciously allowing things to work, to function, to fit together. It was beautiful. Administration, it's needed, it's practical. You can see a really cool example of this. Um, in Acts 27, uh, there's a whole story that's unfolded. In verse 11, this word for administration is used for the captain of the ship that Paul was gonna be on. And there's this whole dynamic going on between the captain of the ship, the Roman centurion who's really in charge and calling the shots, and Paul who's just a prisoner but has some divine wisdom on what ought to be done. And at first, the centurion is trusting the captain and sort of his experience and things go sideways. And then the centurion eventually listens to Paul and Paul, a prisoner, gives leadership in the moment and the centurion allows himself to hear that and go, this guy's on to something, we're gonna do that. And administratively, he executed the plan that rescued every single person even though the ship was wrecked, every crew member survived because a prisoner was gifted by the Lord to give some leadership and a humble centurion listened to the, listened to the prisoner and executed the plan. Pretty cool picture of that. Um, so administration, there we go. Let's keep rolling. Mercy, the gift of mercy comes next. Um, it's funny because we almost got, we kind of got into this topic a little bit unknowingly in our life group this past week um, and talking about kind of mercy and compassion and some things around that. Um, but this definition, it's to show mercy, to show compassion. It's to help someone that is afflicted and seeking aid. It can mean to extend help for the consequence of sin. So there could be just like a physical, practical need and mercy sort of has compassion on that and is moved. There can also be like, like the results of sin, the consequences of sin and mercy moves on behalf of that. The idea here is not a feeling, not like a feeling towards the misfortunes of others, but an active desire to remove those miseries. So mercy doesn't just see something that's wrong and go, oh, my heart's sad about that. Mercy leans in to try to help make a difference. Mercy would communicate the truth of the gospel to someone who's lost and needs Jesus. Mercy would see a hard situation and lean and go, how can I help? How can I make a difference here? How can I come alongside to comfort and to help? And so we see examples of this throughout scripture. The most often way that we see mercy in the scripture, like the most quoted times, it gets described over and over again to talk about not things that people are doing, but to describe God and his merciful heart and action towards people in need. Mercy often operates towards the undeserving. It's the difference between seeing someone who's gotten themselves in a bad situation and going, well, huh, told you so. Knew it was gonna come to that. And the person who maybe did know ahead of time, maybe even tried to warn ahead of time, but who will roll up their sleeves and climb in anyways. Say, let me help you. Let me help dig you out of this. It's the gift of mercy. Man, I want someone who has the gift of mercy when I'm going through it. Often it's hard when we see other people going through it. Judgment can kick in, especially if it's someone who has a repeated pattern. 
of getting in a tough situation or stuck? Anybody got friends or family like that? Any of you been one of those people? Yeah, mm-hmm, right? When we see other people in those situations, that's where we want justice show up. But God gives the gift of mercy that we can reflect his heart well to minister to the undeserving and we can cooperate with the Lord. He's a merciful God. What a cool way to function with him, to reflect him into the world by being merciful towards others. What a, what a cool gift. The gift of faith. Now, all of us need, need faith even to come to the Lord, but then there's this special measure of faith that enables me to, to, to be energized by the Lord and, and have hope in hard seasons and get through hard times. And that, that same kind of gift of faith can help us walk alongside other people to help them when they're struggling, they just can't see it. Like, I just don't see a way out. I feel stuck. And that gift of faith that can come alongside to go, man, Jesus is gonna see us through. Let's, let's hang in there. Let's hold on. It means reliance upon Christ for salvation. It means assurance. Blessed assurance. We just sang about that this morning. It's assurance. It's fidelity. It's a firm persuasion. It's a conviction of the truth. Here's the basic idea. I, I believe in Christ. I hold firm in my belief in Christ as I navigate life. And so therefore, I, I am able to then walk faithfully. I become a faithful person as I put my faith in Christ, as I hold on to him in all seasons in faith. It enables me to walk faithfully. And so then the gift of faith shows up and we can serve and bless other people. A beautiful picture of this kind of faith in action that shows up on behalf of other people um, is this beautiful story found in Mark's gospel, chapter two. Um, I've, I've condensed it a little bit. There's a, there's a brief dialogue in the middle where there's a debate about Jesus being able to forgive sins or not. And he said, well, I'm forgiving those sins to show you I have that power. But he also then heals the physical need. So that's just, that's in there. But for brevity, I want you to see this guy who gets physically healed because of the faith of others. Mark chapter two, I'm gonna pick up in verse three. And they came, these four friends, bringing to Jesus a paralytic carried by the four men. So here's four friends carrying their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And the problem is there's this huge crowd, verse four. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. This is some faith in action. We've already carried at who knows what distance our friend on this bed to Jesus. We can't get in the building. Let's carry him up onto the roof. Let's rip the roof off. We're gonna need these guys when demo starts here in a few weeks. Let's rip the roof off so we can get our friend to Jesus. Like that's faith. That's faith that Jesus could actually do something. And that's faith to say, I'll push through some major barriers, not to help myself, but to help my friend who's in need. And so they pull the roof off and when they'd made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw the crippled man's faith, no, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And now down to verse 11, he speaks to him again and he says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. 
And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified the four dudes who had really big faith. And we're gonna go on a tour of their faith healing tour. That's not what it says. No, who did they glorify? Jesus. Our faith is not in our ability to have mighty faith. Our faith, as weak and small as it might be, like a grain of mustard seed, our faith is in the one who works miracles. Our faith is in the one who brings salvation. Our faith is in God. And when he gives the gift of faith that can operate on behalf of someone else to meet their need, it's not about boosting me up or building me up. It's about glorifying Jesus and helping someone who needs it. And notice their faith helped this guy receive forgiveness, salvation. And their faith helped this guy receive physical healing. That's the gift of faith. God is glorified and people are touched. That leads us to our next gift, healing, healing. Now in this passage in, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse nine, and it's mentioned again in verse 28, the gift of healing here is kind of lifted as a noun, like the gift of healing. So these are the only times in the New Testament where it shows up, just the three times they're mentioned right here in this letter. But the root word that goes right along with it is the verb, the action of healing, and that shows up throughout scripture. So they're, they're the same basic root word. There's just the noun version and the verb version. And so much of the examples you're gonna see is healing in action, the verb version of that. So just wanted you to have context here. And so it means a cure, like the noun means a cure, a healing, a remedy. Um, the verb means to heal, to make whole, to restore to bodily health. It also is used metaphorically to talk about um, healing, like for example, our sinful condition. And so it's, this is spirit, soul, and body healing that takes place. And so Jesus heals us. Um, it's, it's pretty cool how often in Luke's gospel, he records healings. And this word healing is used throughout the gospel to describe physical healings that Jesus does. It's used to describe people being healed of demonic oppression, possession. So it's used spiritually. He uses it in all of these different categories. And I love that a doctor took note of the healing that God brought to touch people's lives. He was like, hey, I do a lot of hard work on a practical level to try to bring healing Look at this. And he took note of it and recorded many of them. And so there's lots of examples there. It also includes like at the most basic level, healing just at salvation, the way Jesus heals us of our sin. Like the results of sin are death. And so we are healed spiritually and will be healed forever with our restored, resurrected bodies by the work of Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 24. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isn't it interesting to note that the scripture connects us being healed or made whole or being put back together and the ultimate source of that 
is Jesus broken. Jesus was broken that we might be made whole. Pretty cool. And so when we're, when we're operating in the gift of healing, we're participating with the God who would allow himself to be hurt and broken and damaged that we might be restored and made whole. What a gift. What a gift. Can y'all hang in for two more? All right. The next one, it's a biggie. Miracles. Miracles. Now, some of these, obviously, you can see how they overlap, right? It's like faith kind of overlaps with this. Mercy, like somebody that needs mercy needs healing. Um, healings that happen are miraculous in nature. Um, and so, so a lot of these kind of overlap with each other, but miracles. Um, the phrase that's used here in 1 Corinthians 12, 10 um, is, is the phrase working miracles. And so it's two Greek words together. There's the idea of the working, the operation, the effect. Um, it's the energy to accomplish it. And then the word miracle, which is dunamis, if you know that old Greek word dunamis, which means power. So it's power at work. That's what miracles are, power at work. The idea is being energized by God's grace. That's the energy part. Being energized by God's grace so that power can show up to work a miracle. It means power, might, strength, force, or ability. I love this. It means to be able or capable. In and of myself, I am incapable of working miracles. But I know a guy. We know someone who is more than able, who is more than capable. And because he is also merciful and loving and good, he works miraculously to touch people's lives. And so the spiritual gift of, of walking in this is I am energized or empowered by the grace of God to see his power, not mine, move and operate. That's miracle working power. I love, I love this example of it. There's a lot of good ones that we could read. I've listed a bunch. But the example of the power of the Holy Spirit that caused Mary to become pregnant with Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit to work that miracle was the how to her humble yes. She just humbly said, yes. This might come at grace cost to me, but I humbly say yes to you coming and working powerfully in my life and ultimately through my life that Jesus may come. I just wanna read this passage, it's beautiful. Luke 1, 34 through 38. After the angel has delivered this message, Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? You ever looked at a problem that just, it was like overwhelming odds? Like, okay, God, I'd like to believe you can do something here, but how? How is this possible? And the angel answered, and notice she said, how's this possible since I'm a virgin? I don't have the ability to make this happen. And I haven't done anything to make this happen. So how will it happen? And the angel answered and said to her, you're gonna try really hard. I just think sometimes stuff doesn't have an impact on us because we don't think about the other altars. But like that stuff creeps in, Right? Like to work in miracles, it's like, I don't know if I got enough faith to make that happen. I'm trying hard over here. That's not the source. God, how are you gonna do this? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit 
will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, this has happened in some other miraculous ways. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God because he is able and he is capable. And so what did Mary say? Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Friends, that's how we operate in the gifts. Lord, I'm here, I'm your servant. This circumstance, this situation, it's beyond me, it's above me. But you're capable where I'm not. You're able. And so I just, I humbly make myself available. And God, if you wanna move through my life today, great. If that's not what you have for today, then give me the gift of faith that I can trust you. That you are who you say you are. And then in the end, you are healing and redeeming all things. See, the gifts penetrate this broken world and bring really cool things to touch lives of people in this broken world. But the reason the the gifts exist now is because we're not in heaven yet. And so the reason why a lot of times we don't see the gifts is because we do still live in a broken, fallen world. It's not gonna be fully and completely healed and redeemed this side of heaven. But God does want to show up to bring light into darkness, to bring the lost home, to touch and encourage and heal believers as we navigate through this life. He does work miracles. He does raise the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But I do have news for you. Eventually Lazarus died. God worked a miracle in that moment to resurrect him. And it's a sign of the ultimate, eternal, future miracle of everlasting life by the grace of God. Not by us, not by our works, lest anyone should boast, but by our miracle-working God who mercifully loves us, who heals and rescues and redeems. And so he wants to give good gifts to encourage and strengthen and build up the body, to bring the lost to salvation, to penetrate this dark and broken world with hope and life that is everlasting. Amen? Amen. I was gonna end on miracles, and based on time, I should. But I do have one more. Okay, I think, I think the reason why it would be good to end here is because this is one that is so needed and important and so often gets misused. And that is the gift of distinguishing between spirits or it could be called the gift of discernment. But I just wanna say to you, there is no spiritual gift of skepticism. I'm gonna say that again. There's the gift of discernment or distinguishing spirits. There is no spiritual gift of skepticism. And I think we have to be really careful because often the very people that might be gifted with the gift of discernment can, can drift into this kind of skeptical doubting. I almost question everything. I don't know if any of this is legit because they've discerned broken moments, because they've discerned false prophets and abuse. 
And I just want to say to you, by God's grace, he wants to see these gifts operate and flourish and function. And by God's grace, he'll give us discernment to spot when something's off. It's a gift to protect us. We don't need the heresy hunters. We need Jesus-loving people who know the word and live it out. And when things are really off track to protect the sheep, to protect the flock, there's the gift of discernment. So just a tiny bit of definition around this and we'll go. It means to discern or distinguish. It means to judge, not in a condemning way, but just to be able to, to separate things out, to see things clearly. Um, to make a distinction would be a really good way to put it. You know, it's the old, the old I can spot the counterfeit because I know what the real thing looks like. It's that idea. Um, and distinguishing spirits. Like, yes, that is spirits in the sense of is, is this the Holy Spirit or is it demonic? But also the word spirit, it just kind of means like the heart behind something. The driving force or motivation behind something. Is this selfish in nature? Is this demonic in nature? Or is this Jesus-centered, God-focused? Is this moved by his Holy Spirit? Then I wanna be open to that and say yes. And trust that if it's off, the Lord will give some wisdom to protect us. In Hebrews 5.14, it talks about, I'm not reading this one, but just, it talks about um, the same passage talking about, hey, you should be further along. You still need milk because you're not maturing. He talks about if you had been maturing in faith, you would have discernment. It's something we can actually grow in as we know the Lord more and more. It's very relational, actually. The more I know the Lord, the more I know his word, the more I've cultivated a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna sense his presence. I realize none of us just answer the phone blind anymore, like we know who's calling. But for those of you who can hearken back to these odd-shaped, maybe like a banana devices connected to a cord where you would pick it up and it was a great mystery who would be on the other line. But when it was a familiar voice, you didn't even need them to say their name because you knew, because you knew. That's the idea. I know the Lord. I'm familiar with him and his presence. So when it's him, I can tell. And when it's not, all right, well, then we can navigate this as needed. That's probably enough, huh? All right, lots of good gifts that the Lord gives to establish, to build up, to encourage his body. Um, in the coming weeks, we'll tackle a couple more. Tongues is kind of the big one we're getting to. Everybody's probably been waiting, like, when are we talking about speaking in tongues? So next week, we're probably not gonna tackle that during our Harvest Festival blessing thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll show up and operate during our blessing prayer. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but we, we will talk through that one. So we'll talk about the gift of tongues and just how that functions and operates, how it's meant to operate personally in a corporate setting. And we'll talk about the roles in the church. Hopefully we'll get through all five. We'll see how that goes. Because a lot of the roles that God gives us to build up the whole church to function and operate, they help provide health and direction, um, guardrails and empowerment. Like that's how those function, guardrails and empowerment so we can walk in the gifts in a healthy way. And so some of the things that can get off course in especially corporate settings, gifts like miracles, healings, prophecy, speaking in tongues, when we have this clarity, it, 
it helps us walk well in them. Not shut them down, but not get off track. And so that's where we're heading in the next couple of weeks, all right? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to pray for one another, to be in your word. Lord, I pray that more and more as a church, we would grow in our knowledge and our understanding and ultimately in our use of the gifts that you wanna give us, that you might be glorified, that the lost may be found, and that your body might be strengthened and grow. Thank you, Father, that you give good gifts, especially the gift of your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence this morning in our lives daily, in our homes, in our gatherings, as we go out into the community. May we know you in relationship. May we grow and mature in you that your fruit would operate in our lives. And may you give gifts, not just for our benefit, but for your glory and for the benefit of those in need. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.